GM, I'm Matthew Diemer, and this is GM from Decrypt. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good morning, everyone. How you doing? It is Wednesday, February 8th, 2023, the day after the State of the Union Address. Did you watch it? I know. We have many people from both sides of the aisle, people that aren't on the side of the aisle, people who make their own aisle listening to the show. But I want to know your opinion. Email me, MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co. Yesterday, I got an email from my buddy Jeff Concius over at Kiesel Law, and he wanted to comment on something that he said that I sounded impressed about. So remember yesterday we were talking about the FTX case and John J. Ray III didn't want an independent examiner coming in to look at everything because he said that it's kind of like double work. And also there's a security risk since we're talking about digital currencies. And the lawyer came in and said, with all due respect, talking to the judge. Well, Jeff wrote in and said, you sound impressed when quoting that lawyer. But he also said, we litigators never say that as most judges hear those words and interpret them as, judge, you are wrong and stupid and this is why, which is what a judge once told him when he was an attorney. And that's why at his law firm, he says those words are forbidden at his firm and in court. (laughs) I don't know if I was impressed or not, uh, but what I was impressed about was the analogy that he made that uh, the judge or the courts or whoever thinks that there's this like a warehouse full of sack of potatoes there. And you can just come in and look at the sack of potatoes and go, hey, look, there's sacks of potatoes everywhere. And the security risk of people coming in to double check their work is massive if you don't know what's going on. And also there's more people with eyes on code and, and having backdoor access to FTX and accounts and wallets and so on and so forth. I was impressed with that. But if I did sound impressed that he said, with all due respect, <laughs> that's funny. Anyway, Jeff, thanks for writing in. I just sent you an email about another question, another legal question that I would love clarity on. Now, let's get some clarity on what those crypto prices are doing. The time is 9.20 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have Bitcoin sitting at $23,080, up 0.4% in 24. Ethereum's up 2% in 24 at $1,671. Tether's number three. Binance is at 331, up a percent in 24. And USDC is number five, running off the top 10. We have XRP, BUSD, Cardano, which is up 2.5%. Doge and Matic, which is up 6%. Boy, I'm glad I bought some Matic. (laughs) This is not financial advice. This is just me getting lucky and happy about it. The total market cap is up a percent in 24. It's at 1.08 trillion. We have a BTC dominance of 41.1 and an F dominance of 18.9. Moving into the headlines today, Revolut announced that it's going to launch its crypto staking service for a variety of -of proof-of-stake tokens. Ethereum, Cardano, Polkadot, Tezos. Revolut says users can earn up to 11.65% return on crypto rewards on certain tokens. I don't believe that. Well, actually, I do believe that. I don't know how sustainable that is, but I'm just passing judgment. Cardano offers the lowest rate 
at 2.8%, Ethereum at 3.88%, and Tezos at 4.59%. Revolut is a London-based company, and they first offered crypto back in December of 2017. Besides staking, the firm also said that it has eyes on launching a new token, Rev token. You probably can hear a little skepticism in my voice when it comes to these yields and now create a new token because of, you know, past incidents. I think we just need a little more clarity, a little bit more transparency on what the token's going to be used for, how it's going to be used, how it's going to be stored, where the value is going to come from. And well, I think those are all reasonable questions at this moment. Speaking of staking rewards, Consensus will financially support an ongoing lawsuit challenging the IRS on staking rewards. So what happened was, is a Tennessee couple, Joshua and Jessica Jarrett, they sued the IRS over some taxes levied on their staking, their state Tezos. And they argued that self-generating staking rewards could not be considered taxable income under federal law. So basically the whole case is, should a person be taxed when they received a staking reward from a cryptocurrency or when they sell it? And their lawyer compared it to similar to a farmer growing crops. For example, if you have a seed and you go plant it, and you have all kinds of crops that you can go sell for a certain value. Should you be taxed on the value of the crops before you sell it? Or only taxed on the income you receive from the crops? And that's what they're comparing the staking of cryptocurrency to. It's interesting because if you start thinking about the different scenarios here with this, then it's like you really go down a rabbit hole. One thing I was thinking about this morning is like, so I understand that if you go buy $5,000 worth of wood from Home Depot and bring it to your yard and you plan to make a barn, you can't have additional tax on your property because you are going to build a $50,000 barn off of $5,000 worth of wood. They want to tax you at the register for the potential $50,000 barn that you're going to build with the $5,000 worth of wood. And so you go to your yard, you build this beautiful barn with your wood that you just bought from Home Depot. Eventually, the city's going to come over and reassess the value of your property. Now that you put this barn on there, it might be worth more. But they will tax you on that, and you'll pay property taxes on that, but you wouldn't pay sales taxes or any capital gains tax until you sold the property. But you would pay property tax on it. Going back to the crops, they wouldn't tax the seed on the potential value of the crops that were going to be grown. And also in art, if you buy a Picasso for $10 million and the next year it's $12 million, you're not going to pay the tax until you sell it. But crypto, should it be different? I don't know. I think there's a lot of analogies that we can make with this. Anyway, consensus is going to help them with this lawsuit because the lawsuit was dismissed. The IRS said, hey, you got a point here. Here's a refund for your taxes. Let's just get out of it. Let's just get rid of it. Let's just forget about it. But what they want to do is they want to pursue this lawsuit to make sure that there's a precedent to make sure that everybody has clarity about how staking rewards are taxed. So like I said, the judge dismissed the case back in October, but the Jareds are currently in the process of appealing this case's dismissal and consensus will now provide financial support for that effort. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And so the case's next step is to head to a federal appellate court where a panel of judges would determine whether it should be reconsidered. The SEC and the head of the SEC, Gary Ginsler, 
said that it's going to focus on cryptocurrencies and emerging technologies as one of its priorities this year. And they said that they're going to focus on areas that it believes that has potential risks and the integrity of the American capital markets. In a time of growing markets, Gary Gensler says, evolving technologies and new forms of risk, our division of examiners will continue to protect investors. In executing against the 2023 priorities, the division will help ensure compliance with the federal securities laws and rules. So in 2023, they're going to examine broker-dealers and investment advisors who are using emerging financial technologies, including crypto. They're going to investigate whether these middlemen are meeting expected standards of care to investors and whether they are routinely reviewing and updating risk management procedures. This is an interesting one. Open edition NFTs are pretty popular right now. And these are works that are sold for like $10 or less. And basically, it's like buying a print or a poster rather than a one-of-one. For example, I can't buy the Mona Lisa, but I sure as hell can buy a poster of it, right? (laughs) And if I want to frame it and put it on my wall, that's cool. But it cost me maybe $5.99 on Amazon. Anyway, this is a very popular NFT right now. Artists like Jack Butcher of Visualize Value held an open edition mint on Zora in January and sold 16,000 of the identical editions for $8 each. Another example of this is a version from a notable collector, Vincent Van Doe, over the weekend sold around 238,000 editions of the same project, of the same art, worth about $7 each. That totaled $1.6 million. Well, not only are they selling these for a lot of money, the value of these things are skyrocketing. Now, for example, checks NFTs, and this is uh, the same thing, it's an open edition NFT, they skyrocketed in value because of details of a gamified trading model that lets users and hodlers burn or permanently destroy a certain number of additions for a less common NFT. The NFTs now start at around 2.45 F or about $4,000, a nearly 51,000% increase in worth and value for each NFT in just one month. These NFTs, these checks NFTs, they have now generated around $26 million worth of secondary trading value. This next headline is the case that I asked my buddy Jeff about because I'm kind of confused why this should be legal or the benefits of this. I mean, I know the benefits for the prosecution. I just don't understand like how this is. A, anyway, the, you'll, you'll get what I'm saying in a minute. U.S. prosecutors have asked that the fraud case against FTX founder Sam Bankman fried not proceed until the conclusion of the government's criminal case against them. The outcome of the criminal case will likely have a significant impact on the civil case. And so Damian Williams, the main prosecutor overseeing the criminal case against Sam Bankman-Fried, said that he was concerned that Sam Bankman-Fried's legal team could use the civil case's discovery process to bolster its defense in the criminal case. And so my question to Jeff is, isn't this just all discovery? I know there are two different cases for two different goals, but if you find out things in one case to help another case, shouldn't that be passed back and forth? And if one case goes forward before another one and the result of that case influences the other one, isn't that just the result? Like, why is it legal or why is it acceptable that you can hold off on one case so you kind of push the certain result that you want in another case? Now, I'm not defending Sam Bankman-Fried at all, but I am wondering about this process. How is this a thing? I feel like I'm missing something big and obvious because, I, I don't know, I just feel like I'm missing something big and obvious. And I hope Jeff writes back so I can report on this tomorrow or if he comes on the show. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Oh, and if you have a comment or you can just write and tell me what's going on, email me, MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co. And finally, 
Several cryptocurrency companies, including Binance, Tether, Bitfinex, OKX, and KuCoin, have pledged over $9 million in donations to aid the victims of the massive earthquakes that hit Turkey and Syria. The executive director of the Avalanche Foundation said, Turkey is close to the heart of the Avalanche Foundation and community. It's time to come together and show that crypto is a force for good and a sign for hope for all of us. CZ Zhao of Binance, he said, The recent earthquakes in Turkey have had a devastating impact on so many people and so many communities. We hope that our efforts will bring some relief to those affected. We are calling on the industry peers to once again come together to support in the times of crisis. Thank you for listening to this episode of GM. We'll be back tomorrow. Again, go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, leave us a comment. If you're listening on Spotify, smash those five stars. If you open up the app, you'll see this little star rating. I think we have like 300 or 400 ratings now. We're at 4.9%. So hitting those five stars just keeps us locked in there solid. You can also email me, Matthew Aaron at decrypt.co. I read your email over here, answer any questions you have. And until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone. <laughs>